Welcome to Away From The Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get away from the keyboard. Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name is Richie Rump, and joining is my co-host, Cecil Phillip. How are you doing today, Cecil? Doing pretty good, Richie. What's going on with you? Hey, you know, I don't know if you've read the top of this script here, but uh, it says episode 50. Is that a typo? Is that really 50? You, you'd think it would be, you know, knowing us, but no, that is not a typo. We are in 50 episodes. So congratulations, Cecil. We've, we've made it to 50. Wow. Well, congratulations to you too, sir. It's been a great, uh, it's been a great time doing 50 episodes. Yeah, I've loved the fact that we've gotten the chance to talk to so many different people and you know, I've got to meet a lot of people and, and really have some conversations that we really wouldn't have had otherwise. After talking to all these people and doing 50 episodes, what's been your best memory of doing Away From The Keyboard? One of my favorite memories definitely has to be that first, those first few episodes we recorded at the South Florida Code Camp. I remember we were in the speaker room. Um, I think those were like those were within the first three or four episodes that we did. You know, some of those people, we were just meeting them for the first time. Uh, we had some folks in the back that were listening to us. Essentially, it was almost like doing a live recording. You know, we were still very shaky, still a little jittery, still trying to figure things out. And for us to be able to do that publicly and, and put those out and then keep going from there for me was, is, is, I think that was just something special. Yeah, a lot of people that were there uh, were really used to doing interviews and we had never done one, right? We had never done this before. And it was really cool that, that they were gracious enough for, to let us talk to them and, and really help us figure out our format. Because I, I think at that point, we hadn't even nailed it down what the show was going to be about yet. So it was definitely, you know, one of those learning experiences. You know, I think my favorite memory of, of doing the show is you know, we've done a lot of great conversations with a lot of great people. Um, but I think when we talked to Buck Woody and, you know, how, and we talked to how he had gone his career through, through technology and working for NASA and working for Microsoft and, you know, doing all the amazing things that he's done. I think that uh, was what really epitomized what the show's about. I think that was just a, a great episode, and and just to, to to hear his life stories in the Air Force and just all the way up through technology, that was real a lot of fun for interview for me to uh, to been a part of. So I think that is is my favorite. So since this is the fiftieth episode, are we doing anything special? Are we giving anything away this time? Yeah, what we're gonna do is that uh, since this is away from the keyboard, we're not gonna give you a. I don't know, a, a, a free course, or we're not going to uh, give you a, a free technical book. We're going to want you to get away from the keyboard. So we took one of the bestsellers uh, from this summer's uh, bestseller list, and uh, we've picked Brad Meltzer's The House of Secrets. Uh, one of the secrets of this book is that it has been signed by Brad Meltzer himself. Very cool. So it is an autographed copy of The House of Secrets. And of course, the South Florida tie is, is that Brad Meltzer is from South Florida. So the way you enter into this contest for Brad Meltzer's The House of Secrets is that you go through Twitter and you give us a mention at, at AFTK Podcast. Tell us what your favorite episode was of Away From The Keyboard and then hashtag it with Happy 50. And then when you do that, you'll be entered into the contest and we'll uh, let that run for a couple of weeks. 
and then we'll pick out a winner to see who wins this copy of Brad Meltzer's The House of Secrets. Cool. That sounds good, man. So I also hear you got an event going down. I do have an event going down. So me and uh, our friend Ashley Grant, um, Ashley's on the Aurelia JS team, um, we're going to be putting on a workshop. We're going to put on a workshop in November, and we're going to be talking about ES6 and ASP.NET Core. So if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, or if you'd like to come down to Fort Lauderdale because it's nice and warm in November, why don't come over to the uh, come over to our workshop, come hang out with us, and you know let's uh, let's write some code together. It actually sounds like a good time. I'm hoping I could get some time and crash that. Sure, man. Come on over, man. We could you know we'll have some drinks, we'll have some food. You know, it's right on the waterfront, so the scenery is going to be beautiful. Man. Oh, so it's going to be pretty nice. 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 So that is November fifth and sixth. I was going to be downtown Fort Lauderdale and. Uh, if you go onto my Twitter account right now, like you'll see the link to the to the event. We'll also put it in the show notes too if you guys need to check it out. Excellent. So who are we talking to today? So today we're talking to Jesse Liberty. So Jesse is an independent software developer, consultant, and author. He hosts the popular Yet Another Podcast. And he's the author of two dozen best-selling books. He's also the author of numerous Pluralsight courses on everything from Angular to Xamarin. Jesse's a certified Xamarin developer, a Xamarin MVP, and a Microsoft MVP. He was a technical evangelist for Microsoft, distinguished software engineer at AT&T, software architect for PBS, and vice president of information technology at Citibank. Wow, that's, uh, that's quite the resume you got there. Yeah, man. Jesse's definitely a heavy hitter, man. It was uh, definitely awesome to talk to him. Yeah, no doubt. This episode is recorded on August 1st, 2016, and now our conversation with Jesse Liberty. And now, away from the keyboards, feature conversation. So I'm really excited about the guests that we have for you guys today. It's somebody that I've definitely been following for a long time, probably since I even started programming. So today I'd like to welcome Jesse Liberty to Away From The Keyboard. How are you doing, Jesse? I'm doing well, and I'm glad to know I'm old enough to have been helpful to you when you were learning to program when you were four? See, I, I wasn't <laughs> going to go there. I wasn't going to go there, but you know what? <laughs> Rich is usually the guy that I, I rag on for being old because he's he's touched some things that I've probably never heard about in my life, like Fox Pro and things like that. Ah, I see. I, I, I thought we said we'd never talk about that. Well, don't feel bad. I cut my teeth on paper tape and... <laughs> <laughs> So Jesse, why don't you tell us a little bit about, for those of our guests that don't know you, who you are and what is it exactly that you do? Oh, there's a really good question. Who am I? Let's not go with who am I. I can tell you what I do. Uh, at the moment, I've been focused on Xamarin programming for the past couple of years. And before that, a great deal of web programming. I'm getting actually back into web programming by way of Angular. And I do a fair amount of speaking at conferences, I have 24 books and about 20 courses on Pluralsight. So I do some instructional work and I'm independent. I work from home, uh, although I've been known to go to sites when they need training or mentoring. For, so for short terms. Sure, sure. Um, and I've been in the industry for years. And... Uh, so we could talk about you know early days if you like, sure. but uh, I've been yeah I've been at this for for way too long, and I I really <laughs> like it. Um, a couple times I got sucked into semi management positions and went running and screaming from the room, and I'm a, I'm a terrible manager, but I really like to code. 
but but wait, you're so good at writing code. Obviously, you'd be a great manager. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say, when I was at I was at Ziff Davis, and I had a team. And I went to our CTO and I said, I may have to leave the company because I really don't want to be a manager. And he was, well, his name is Ed B. Love. He's been in the industry for a really long time. He's a brilliant guy. And he said, well, you don't have to be a manager and created a position for me that was just perfect where we would pick up a, a, a group of programmers to work on a specific project for a short while and get it done. And uh, so I changed my my official title there to iconoclast which was great i used to get email and, and mail regular mail jesse liberty iconoclast can't ask for better than that <laughs> nice so what could you tell us about you know when you were first starting out your career what was it like back then you know to be a developer and to, to be writing software well i started a few times in high school we literally did have punch tape and punch cards, and I did not like it. Uh, I hung out around the computers because I had friends around the computers, but it was, you know, painful. And then, uh, to the extent that I went to college, which is very little, um, we had still mainframes or minis, and I didn't particularly like that. Then I went to social work school, actually, and discovered that I liked working with... Uh, the computers that we had in the office more than I particularly liked the clinical work. So I left social work school and went to work. Uh, I had a buddy who was a C programmer and I asked him to teach me C and he gave me great advice. He said, go learn assembly. So I went and learned assembly and then learning C was very easy. Because the hard part in C is pointers. And once you know assembly, pointers are easy. So I did C for quite some time and and kept hearing about C++, but resisted it. And then I got a call from a friend who had moved up to the Boston area. I was in New York at the time. And he said, come up and work with us. And I said, no. And a couple months later, he said, come up and work with us. <laughs> and I kept saying no. And he said, well, what do you want? So I explained the kind of job I wanted with programming and such. And uh, he said, I went and interviewed with the, with the guy who was in charge of the group. And he said, well, we need Windows or Mac experience and we need C++ expertise. And I said, well, that's perfect because I don't have any of that. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so that was how I learned C++ and that was how I learned Windows programming and Mac programming. And then C Sharp came along in 2000 and I've never looked back. C Sharp is a great language. So I've been doing C Sharp since then. You know what's kind of interesting is, so before I came to the United States, one of the first programming books I had was C++ in 24 hours. Yes. And I think it was a, I think it was published by Sam's or yes, it was. something like that. And so I think that for me was, I guess, my first introductory introduction to, to you. Because I believe you wrote, you wrote, that book and yep. I'm sure many others since then too. Yeah, we had C++ in 21 days and C++ in 24 hours. And the 24 hours book was smaller and tried to cover much of the same material. And I got a lot of grief for the name. The first one was C++ in 21 days. And I got a lot of emails saying, well, at the time it was user groups, saying you can't learn C++ in 21 days. 
And I said, well, <laughs> pretend that the name is C++ in 21 chapters. Are you okay with that? Because <laughs> that's really what it was. I mean, you know, it, it was a day to read the chapter and then a few weeks to practice and understand what was in it and move on. And so, so that book actually um, was a sleeper. It didn't do terribly well for the first year or two, and then it took off. And I believe we sold in the end with the different variations uh, three quarters of a million copies. Wow. For about 10 years or 12 years, which was wow. amazing. Now, the reason it didn't sell so well in the beginning was that because not a lot of people were using C Sharp at that time? Well, C++. Oh, C++. Right. I don't know. Um, I think what was going on was early C++ days, there, was, there were a lot of academic books about object-oriented programming and about the theory behind object-oriented programming. And a lot of the C++ plus books that were out assumed you were a C programmer. So I decided to write a book targeted at the working programmer who does not know C. And so the book, the 21 days book teaches you programming from the beginning without any assumption that you already know the C language. And you know, I love that because, well, I didn't know any programming at the time. Yeah. You know? Like I'm, I'm coming out of high school. Like I, I barely had, you know, we barely had a computer in the house to be honest with you. And for me, it was such a, one, I think it was just really well written, right? It was a very easy read for me. Again, and I, again, I'm, at the time I'm not a, you know, a computer professional, like my professionalism probably ends at the, the DOS command prompt when I had to install NBA live 97, right? Yes, I remember. Right. Like those were the games when you had those are the days when you had to install games in DOS, right? And yes. Not, like yes. Those are the good days. But um but it, for me it was a really good read. It was a really good read. It was really easy to get into. And it kinda helped me. Like it's something I always appreciate because going into college, I think I was one of the few people that did not have computer science or a programming course in high school. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of these guys already had this experience. But you know, and I had, you know, Jesse Liberty's C plus plus in twenty four hours, you know what I mean? So, you know, I for me that's kinda where I started. Well, I uh I went to college three or four times and dropped out a couple of times and got kicked out and fortunately there was a program in New York State that you could take tests and they would give you credit based on how you did the tests. They didn't they didn't tell you what to study or how to study. They just told you where the tests were. And that saved me because I couldn't do classes. I just couldn't, I mean, classes in the sense of classrooms. And uh, I can do classes and objects. So anyway, that saved me because I got my BA by essentially testing out. And I've never, I've never taken a, a computer science class. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember uh, I was in, uh, I, had, I had C. It was C at the University of Miami. And I missed the entire month of October. I just didn't go to class at all. And I, when I went to what I thought was the midterm, I walked in and there's no one in the room. I'm like, oh no, I've completely ruined this course for me. I'm going to fail. Turns out that that class was canceled and the midterm was the next week. Go into the midterm. I aced the midterm and you know aced the class. But it just seems like programming courses in college was very simple. And if you've actually done any programming at all, it was really, really easy to get through and just say, hey, I've, I've done it and, and get, get the A in the test and kind of walk out. For some people, I think there are people who really struggle. But if you have, if it makes sense to you, if programming falls into place for you, then, then I think it is easy. Although I will say that there have been some things along the way that have been harder than others. DCOM almost 
killed me. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Fortunately, that's in the past. And 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 C sharp has made life much easier because you don't have to do the memory management. Uh, yep. it takes care of it for you. And and there's something about C C sharp that just fits the way I think about things, which is which is how I got into Xamarin because. It, it it made sense to me. It it built on the C sharp skills. It built on the Silverlight skills. I worked with Silverlight at Microsoft for a while, and uh, so Xamarin really hit the sweet spot. Yeah. How many years did you uh, work for Microsoft for? I worked for Microsoft for five years, and and the story about that is that uh, a friend said, I I he said come out to to this conference which was the first blend conference and the idea of that conference was to get developers together with designers and at that conference Scott Guthrie unveiled Silverlight and I went home and said that's all I want to do I want to work on Silverlight and then I got a call from this friend who said well instead of working on Silverlight out from the outside in why don't you come to Microsoft and work from the inside out and I said no way Actually, there were three words in that sentence, but I'll leave out the middle one. <laughs> and uh, so I went out there. I met some really, really bright people, and they were not at all what I expected. They were not, you know, rigid. They were they were very dedicated to building good software. And Microsoft has an interesting way of of interviewing you. There's a trap door in the middle of your interview, so they they tell you who you're going to talk with in the morning, and then. If you've done okay, you find out that there's more interviews in the afternoon. So <laughs> I think I've, uh -huh. made, I've given away a secret here. Uh, so I went through the interview process, and that went well. And I joined the Silverlight team as uh, originally we were a little skunk works group working for Scott Guthrie. And over time, we sort of got layered and layered. But we were essentially evangelists, although never officially called that. And it was great. I loved it. And then I uh, abruptly was transferred to the Windows Phone team. And they said, this is going to be great. We're going to build a team and you're going to, you know, manage, not manage, but work with all these people. And then my boss transferred and his boss transferred. And the new skip boss is what you call it in Microsoft, the, your boss's boss. Uh, the new skip boss said, why aren't you in Redmond? And you have to relocate. And so I had to leave Microsoft, which was sad because it's a great company. And I went back to being independent. So I've been independent a total of about 15 years, but not in, not in a row. I got to ask you, since you mentioned a little while ago that you're, you, know, you used to work for one of Scott Guthrie's teams. So what is, what is it like working for Scott? Because you know, for most of the folks that may be listening to the show that are or .NET um, Microsoft developers, you know, Scott Guthrie is like the president, right? Yes. So, or, it, or God. Well, well he's a president <laughs> we want to have, right? Right, right. right. He's, I mean, he's Bartlett. Within, within our developer <laughs> world, that's essentially what he is. Like, a lot of people yeah. look up and respect, respect this man for a lot that he's done. So for you, that's gotten to be a lot closer to him. Like, what was that experience like for you? Well, I, I, I don't want to mislead you. I mean, I can go up to Scott and and shake his hand and say hi and he'll say how you doing man and you know that kind of thing but it's not like we're buddies and it's you know sure. uh, uh, but I, I have just worlds of, of, of admiration for him I think he's brilliant and he's when you talk with him he 
gives you the feeling that you're the only person he wants to talk to and there's nothing else he'd rather do. And he, I've watched him do that with a number of people and it's, it's an amazing skill. Uh, and I think he, I think it's genuine. I mean, I think it's, he just tunes in and focuses in. One of the things that I did that was great with, with him, uh, when I was not working directly for him is I, I got on his calendar for half an hour uh, each week and he said, well, what do you want to talk about? I said, I don't care. I'm going to sit here and you just talk for half an hour. And, <laughs> and it was the best education I've ever had. It was great. We did it two or three times and it was, it was wonderful. Uh, he is now, I think Microsoft has really recognized his ability and he's now in charge of all of Azure and ASP and, all sorts of things. Um, there are people who talk about him as effectively the number two at uh, at Microsoft, and and I don't know if that's literally true, but he certainly deserves to be in that spot. And given that he's only like I don't know what nineteen years old, it is uh, <laughs> <it's> impressive. <laughs> so it was it was a blast working with him. And, and 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 when I do get to see him and you know say hi, it's it's always a, it's always great because uh, there there are two people in this industry who I think stand head and shoulders above others, both technically and as people. Um, and the two that really stand out for me are Scott and, and Andrews, um, and they're both at Microsoft. Andrew, do you, do you know about Andrew's history? I mean, he's just absolutely amazing. Andrew's Hillsberg. Yeah, Andrew's the man, man, from, from yeah, his days. I remember his days at um, Borland. Yeah. I think it was a company he used to work for. We, he created yeah. Turbo Pascal, right? Or Pascal, yes, and, or... and he created Delphi, Turbo Pascal, C Sharp, TypeScript. He's just totally amazing. Right, right, right. Did you have any interaction with Anders while you were in Microsoft? Or no? Uh, um, a not while I was in Microsoft. A little bit after I left, I got to talk with him briefly. But um, I, I went. I've gone a few times to see him speak, and he has a unique ability to present information in a way that's highly accessible. And given what he's done and the kinds of things he works on. Uh, anytime you can get a chance to see him on Channel 9, which is Microsoft's internal channel, um, you know, where they do their videos, or YouTube or whatever, he's, he's well worth listening to. He's, he's just really, truly extraordinary. How do you feel that experience at Microsoft and obviously the relationships that you, you got to build there have um, really affected your career going forward? Oh, it was great. Um, I've worked for off and on for different companies. I, I worked at Citibank for a while and learned a lot about human factors there. I worked for PBS building, this is before the internet, we built a series of applications for teachers to share lesson plans and work with students. And I built a mail system. This is actually a cool story. I built a mail system that was, um, it was a discussion board, but it was threaded. So you could say, show me the replies to this message or show me the, the essentially the siblings to this message, other messages that are replies to the same thing. This is a reply to, and every night it would go out to every site and synchronize all of the 15 sites using FidoNet, which is pre-internet days. <laughs> um, it was cool. It was, it was a lot of fun. That was written in, uh, it was written in, Unix and in C, and it was it was wow. it was a blast working on that. Uh, so that was at PBS. Then I was independent for quite a while, and then I worked for Microsoft. And Microsoft was just 
amazing. Uh, you learn so much, and uh, the people are, by and large, uh, extraordinary and helpful. And, you know, it's really not the way I think people, at least for a while, thought of Microsoft. But I, I had a great time. You mentioned you're independent again right now, are you? Yes, yes. And at the moment, looking for clients. So get this on the air fast. <laughs> So, so tell me, I'm always interested to, to hear people tell us, what made you decide to be, go independent or go back to being independent in your case? Well, I have a friend who's uh, said to me once that becoming independent trades the illusion of, of independence for the illusion of security. Actually, that's going into a job. So I, I suppose here we're trading out the illusion of security for the illusion of independence. I don't think you're really secure in any job, and I don't think you're really independent uh, when you're when you're working for yourself. I went back to independence and have done that quite a few times because I really need to work at home. Uh, I, I'm so much more productive when I work at home. I have things set up the way I want them to be. It is generally very quiet. Um, we, I communicate with my wife by I am. <laughs> so <laughs> she's downstairs, I'm up here, and you know, who knows where the signal goes. Um, <laughs> and, and now that I have grown children, it, you know, I, can, I can work without, um, without concern for their needs or their interruptions and so on. Yeah, no more running and screaming and no banging at the door. Daddy, what you're doing in there? <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> so I, I like being independent. The problem with being independent is you never know where the work's going to come from and, and when it's going to come. And and I have not mastered the ta the ability to be on vacation when things are slow. You know, I, I tend to um, fret <laughs> and learn new things. That's how I spend my time when things are slow. And of course, when things are busy, they can be very, very busy because if you're independent, you almost never want to turn down work because who knows if they'll come back. So, so it, it, it's, um, it's, it's kind of like living in, in the way I imagine living in the rainforest where it's, you know, it's dry for a period and then it's a monsoon. And so as an independent, what, like, for instance, what type of, jobs do you do like what type of projects do you work on like how do you you know how do you how do you find work well finding work is always interesting and difficult i don't know where the work comes from the phone rings um some of that is because i talk at conferences and some of that is because i've got a lot of buddies in the industry um, and sometimes people just call out of the blue the kinds of work i do are well for the past couple of years it's been xamarin and it can be anything from building a project from scratch to working with another team to mentoring a team, uh, teaching. So there's a wide variety. Uh, Pluralsight, doing my Pluralsight courses has helped with bringing in work because people see the courses and then they say, okay, let's see if we can get them to help us with X, Y, and Z. The ideal, of course, I like, you know, most programmers uh, would love to have and, and always like to have greenfield projects where ideally you get into the project at the conceptual stage when they're first deciding what to build. And for me, the ideal is two or three uh, other, pro or I should say one or two other programmers working with me and building out the application in phases. That's kind of the ideal. Uh, getting that is of course hard, so you give up here or you give up there. Do you have any horror stories that you can share with us about your time as a, you know, working with clients and, and uh, being independent? 
I'm trying to decide if I can tell this story without getting in trouble. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I worked... Has the statute of limitations run well, out that's there? That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I worked for a fellow who I liked very, very much. A really, really, really nice guy. And we were building a outbound calling application. And this is my DCOM days. And uh, I think we were building it in C++. But the idea was that uh, you could sign up for this thing and it would notify you or notify your boss if you were running late or notify your home if you, if the train was delayed and we could also handle emergencies so what and you have to understand that this is back in the days where pcs were fairly limited in what they could do so we had a bunch of pcs strung together using dcom and then we had uh, outbound calling cards that made the calls so it's kind of like robocalling is now, but it was before any of that was built. That was a great application, and, and we were all very optimistic about it. And we got it, it was in C, it was not in C++. And we got it right to the point where we were ready to begin serious testing. Because with C, you, you invariably you had memory issues, although we tried to stay on top of it. And the application was defunded and did not see the light of day, at least in the way that I was involved with it. So that was, you know, I've had a few applications get defunded. Um, I had another case where we got the application complete. And just as it was about to be rolled out and used, the company that I was working for got sold. So, you know, those, those, uh, those hurt a little. Uh, because you really, you know, like everybody else, I'd love to have a hundred thousand people using my application, uh, but that doesn't always happen. Wow. I, I really like the, the, even though it's supposed to be a horror story, but I, I, I really like it when uh, companies say, Hey, this is not going to work for us. And they have the, the guts to not to take a look at the application as a sunk cost. And then, you know, in your case, defund it or, or change it to something else or just kill it all together. And most people or, or managers that I've met have gone into this, oh no, we have to make our money back on this. And you can't do that with software. Right. You're just right. going to keep pouring money into it. It's like standing at the craps table and trying to win your money back. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And, that's and a I, perfect I do a certain amount of self-assessment anytime that happens is, you know, what could I have done differently to help them not feel that pressure or not feel that they can't make headway with what they're building. I, I think it is incumbent on the programmer to help the client, not only with giving them good code and maintainable code, but also helping them with the process, uh, and which is sometimes very difficult to do. And the larger the company, the more hands are on it and the harder it is to, uh, I have a friend who said that when he became CEO of a company, he imagined that he'd be up, on the deck shouting orders and people would be snapping too. And he said, it's not that they weren't listening to me. I wasn't on the boat. I was in the water trying to push the boat with my bare hands. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it's like that. You know, I, I have to ask the question because, so me personally, I've recently decided to go independent. And, and luckily I haven't had too much trouble finding clients. But it, it's, it's always finding the clients that, you know, you and it's going to be a good relationship for both of you. 
Right. Yes. And, I, and I think that's one thing that's, that's so important for a lot of people to understand is, you know, yes, you need to feed your family, you need to eat, but at the same time, too, like you need to put yourself in a position where you could work effectively. And sometimes a relationship doesn't work out. And then when it doesn't work out, like you, you have to be able to, to step away from it and, you know, just honestly say, hey, I don't really think this is going to work out. This is not a good fit. And, you know, we need to figure something else out right now. Yes, although the only thing I would add to that is if you're in the middle of a project, you want to bring it in for some kind of landing that they feel that it is a comfortable place for you to walk away as opposed to leaving them in midair you know, and, and bailing out with a parachute. Yeah, definitely. Which I've seen developers do, but it's not a, not a good thing. Yeah, definitely don't jump out cold turkey and be like, hey, I'm out. I'll see right. you later. And, you know, because obviously that, that could be very problematic for everybody. Yeah, well, I mean, unless the contract runs out, right? Well, and then yes. you're free and clear. <laughs> I mean, right, sure. Uh, yep, yeah, contract runs out, and you're, it's not a good place. We'd like to thank Jesse for being a guest on the show. It was great to have the opportunity to chat with him. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Also, check us out on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast. And on Twitter at AFTK Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Cecil Phillip and Richie at Jars. That's J-O-R-R-I-S-S. You can subscribe to the show via the website on SoundCloud or on iTunes. And if you really want to know what makes us tick, sign up to our newsletter where you'll get extra episodes and behind-the-scenes access to Away From the Keyboard. Next on Away From the Keyboard, we'll have part two of our conversation with Jesse Liberty. When you go to conferences, if you look around, you see... It's overwhelmingly male, and it's overwhelmingly white or Asian. And as an industry, it's a real problem because we're in an echo chamber. We are talking to ourselves. Yeah, yeah, we continued on. We continued this conversation. And you know what? It actually gets better. That's hard to believe. So make sure you stay tuned for the next one. It's going to be pretty good. Yeah, come back next week. We'll have it ready for you. to thank you for listening to Away From The Keyboard. As a reminder, we will have new episodes each and every week. You can interact with us on Twitter at AFTK Podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Hasta luego!
How are you? Good. Welcome to welcome to call, Richard. What's going on? Good, good. I got everything uh, set up. I think. How do I sound? You sound fine. All right. Good. Yes, I was I was just chatting with Jesse really quickly, just letting him know, um, you know, pretty much what the show is about, some of the things we've spoken about, some of the people that we've spoken to, um, you know, that type of thing. We could we could geek out on podcasting and talk about microphones and podcasting <laughs> software and Richie would love that man because Richie's Richie is like a, a audio nut. You know, Are you? I'm trying. I'm trying. So so this is what I say about Richie. Okay, um, Richie would hear things that I swear, like nobody else can hear. Like he <laughs> he has like the phantom ear, I suppose. Like he'll hear they're, the crickets in the there. background. He'll hear the tapping. That's like two rooms away. I have no idea how he does it, but they're totally there. They're totally there. And you'll I... have to let me know if I have noises that I should cancel. But I've tried to make it quiet in here, and I have a uh, what do you call that—the heart-shaped uh, microphone? You know what I'm talking about? No, you don't know what I'm talking about. The heart. You, you need to talk directly into the mic. It 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 dampens everything around it except uh, a cardioid. Thank I'm... you. Yes, I have yes. a super cardioid mic. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah, so I, I've, I, I have one, and uh, it's a cheap one, but it's one. So <laughs> Which one do you have? Uh, uh, it's an Audio-Technica. Uh-huh. I, I, can't, I can't tell you without sliding it out what exactly it is. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, there's, there's something amiss. I had, to re- I had to reboot, and I had to do a couple things, and you guys are a little hot right now. Um, so I'm not quite sure what's up with that. Here, let me uh, check a couple settings here. Sure. And I'm the one doing the recording. Woohoo. Okay, do you want me to do it as well on call recorder? Oh, that'd be great. Okay. Yeah, that'd be awesome. At least you have a backup in case anything goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there's that. Playback speakers. Set so default device. Thank you. Thank you. Sounds. All right. That was weird. Oh. Do you need a sound check? That's better. Good. Okay. My keyboard shortcuts, my volume wasn't working. I'm like, why is this so loud? <laughs> All right. All right. Can, I, can I get you success? Nope. Can I get you Nope. Okay. Nope. Oh. Sorry. It's always so difficult when someone asks for a, for a sound check because nobody ever knows what to say. And yep. and the one the one thing I won't say is testing one two three. Yes. Right. Makes you Mike crazy. check one two one two. Mike Maybe. check one two one two. I learned that from eighties hip hop. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Have you seen Rent? I saw Rent. I, yes. I have not. There's a scene where he says, say something, anything, and she says, test one, two, and he says, anything but that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Rent. Rent was a good movie. I liked Rent. Rent was great. Big Rent head. Yeah. Oh, we can talk about movies also. And we can talk about apps. Ah, uh, see? There you go. See, there's lots of movies stuff that we can talk about. This is, this is our show. We talk about nothing. It's like the Seinfeld of uh, podcasts. <laughs> Techno podcasts. There you That's go. What we do. There you go. Are you good, man? Are you ready to get going, or uh, yeah, it looks like we're we're rolling. So rolling, rolling, uh, rolling. All right, let's go. Let's do it. Do you? Uh, are you recording your side, Seth? Yes. Especially <gasps> Yes. There is recording happening over here. 
There's recording happening everywhere. All right, we're we're hot. We're live. We're hot and we're live. Okay, great. Let's get it. <laughs> yeah, just get it, get it all on your system right now, man. Let's just, you know. <laughs> you did, you did that for every recording. You know that, right? You, <laughs> gotta get, gotta get it ready. Yeah, I gotta get it ready. You know, I gotta make sure that, you know, the first words that I say don't doesn't sound like there's a frog in my throat. I could, I could come up deep and give you the FM voice. <laughs> you know, we should totally get a soundbite from you. That I think that'd be interesting. <laughs> we should get like a um. Hi, this is Jesse Liberty, and you're now listening to Away from the Keyboard. Actually, that was really good. You did that very well. You could just use my name. Use that. That's perfect. That's actually that's hilarious. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, there we go. We have a soundbite. Done deal. <laughs> we should do all the soundbites, you know, for in, in for our guests. That's not a bad idea. Hi, Hi I'm Julie Lehrman, <laughs> <laughs> and you're oh. listening to Away from the Keyboard. <laughs> I, she would love it, I think. She would love it. Oh, she would love that. That would be hilarious. She'd be all over that. That's just brilliant. She would love that. Oh, my God. All right, let's get the show started. Now, are you going to put in everything we've just done? or so, so some of the stuff that we've done... Okay, so because you haven't listened to the shows before, so we usually have outtakes, bloopers, extra mm-hmm. episodes. Um, so some of the... Unstructured stuff that doesn't fit into the show. If it does stuff that doesn't fit into the flow of the episode. Yeah, we'll you know we'll put it at the end and kind of like a little extra hidden track type type deal, which I think has actually been kind of fun. It was actually one of Richie's ideas, yeah. and and I think it was pretty cool. Like yeah, that. it's my one idea that didn't suck. <clears throat> I like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So some of the stuff. So we're recording now, just just for the FYI. Um, so some of the so like for instance that piece about sun bites and stuff is probably going to get put in at some point within the show. Oh yeah, that's in there. That's totally in there. Yeah. 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 There we go. Yeah, so we we the the, the extra episode was kind of like you know, from the from the 90s when you would get your CDs and you would listen to the last song and it just went on forever and oh, all of a sudden, hey, we've got some some bonus stuff at the end here. It's a it's a song that's not we didn't know that was on the 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 the, the liner of the uh yes. of the album. Yes. So that's yeah. That's kind of what we do. So we do about 60 second, you know, white, uh, silence. And then we go into, it's either something, usually it's something that we, a conversation we have with the guests that didn't quite make the cut. Or sometimes it's just Cecil and I riffing um, on us trying to record the intros or outros or just right. us just going off a tangent. Yeah, so. just bloopers, stuff like that. Have, have you seen uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Yeah. At the end, after You're all the credits. Now? Yes, exactly. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Did, did you see Deadpool at all? No. Yeah, I saw Deadpool. Okay. So Deadpool, at the end of Deadpool, um, he's in his full Deadpool costume, but has a bathrobe on like he did in, uh, like Ferris Bueller did at the end. And he's like, you're still doing here? Go home. And so he, he, he does the whole... Uh, Ferris Bueller uh, and end credit scene. Nice. It's a, uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Although, although most of the people in that theater had no idea, <laughs> had no idea. Yeah, totally beyond their time a little bit. Totally. Beyond. All right, but yeah. Well, let's get started. Ready? Yeah. Answer anytime. 
Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm ready. I was trying to give you a couple it's seconds so, of silence to get going. No, I'm, 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 I'm trying to tell my dad I'm not watching the Cub game right now. So. Oh my God, this guy baseball. Are you a, a baseball fan, um, Jesse, or no? Um, I know who our local team is. Does that count? Well, who is your local team? Red Sox. Oh, so you're up in the Boston area. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Cool. And I watch a game or two a year. See, Rich, Richie's a big baseball head, but you know we don't we don't play baseball in the island. So, you know, I just kind of make fun of him watching watching baseball. What do you play in the island? Um, cricket. Um, I was a I was a big swimmer. I used to swim competitively, and um, in high school I used to play basketball. Well, you'll have to. That's what we should do tonight. You'll have to teach me cricket tonight. Oh, sure. We could talk about cricket. That's fine. That's the one with the flat paddle and the ball. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, and they go on for like three days or something. Yeah, and usually by the second day, people are like passed out. Like <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're, they're done. There's just too much game going on, man. Like, how do you play one <laughs> game for five days? I still I'm from there and I don't understand it. <laughs> one game that lasts five days. They must be like something is wrong with that. Like that makes no sense to me. I didn't know you played ball though. So what what position you play? When I used to play, this is my uh, small forward. Oh really? You were small forward. Wow, that's a that is a small forward. Yeah, yeah, I used to play small forward. We're short in the islands. Yeah. We get short people. Yeah, I used to, I used to play to three, but that's only because in in college, uh, we used to play pickup with some of the the UM uh, ball players and stuff. Yeah. And there was some, you know, not they were shorter than me guys, but they were faster, so they always wanted to play guard. And I'm like, okay, I I guess oh, I have to play small forward. So that's how, how I got to. The bang in the paint with some of these huge dudes. Wow. That does not sound <laughs> there like was, fun. There was one guy. Oh, my gosh. There was this one guy. Um, he was on the basketball team. I remember seeing the bottom of his shoes and just looking up and saying, damn, that's impressive. As he dunked on me. So what? I'm like, okay. You saw the bottom of his right. shoe? And, yes, the bottom of his shoe, man. <laughs> uh, that does not sound entertaining. <laughs> oh, I was in awe. I was like, wow. That is... It was like it was in slow motion as he started flying in the air. And I'm like, and those are some good looking Jordans there. You know, oh, look at the bottom. They're clear. That's amazing. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, let's stop rambling. <laughs> let's give up. <laughs> this is, so, so I, I think you get the idea of generally what's probably going to happen to this show. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <So> today. <clears throat> I'm beginning to get it. Yeah. Okay.